When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. We're going to talk some Cubs as they play in sunny San Diego. Uh, Mooney, have you gotten to the beach yet? Uh, I've walked through Seaport Village several times, which is where uh, we kill time during the winter meetings. Uh, It's actually been surprisingly overcast and like 65 degrees here. It hasn't been... Um, oh, which I'm, I'm you brought the gloom exactly, with you. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm not complaining. It really just, you know, kind of is uplifting. Uh. <laughs> uh, um, all right. So speaking of uplifting, as we record this, the Cubs have taken two of the first three games of this weirdly timed four game set in San Diego um, and, you know, fodder throughout to discuss Um, So we're going to talk about some individual player stuff and, um, you know, kind of thinking broadly about what we talked about uh, in the last podcast, which was that for as much as you might say, typically a five and five finish on a road trip like this out West, three good teams, you know, you normally take that going away. That'd be obvious and easy, but the Cubs have put themselves in a position where they've kind of got to do some extraordinary things. And so, um, you know, decent start on that front. Um, maybe let's work a little backwards in the series so far and just kind of quickly dispense with uh, Marcus Stroman's latest gem. And I say quickly, not because it wasn't fantastic, but I don't have a ton to say because uh, outside of that one start in Minnesota, which was really just a, a couple big home runs, I mean, he's been virtually flawless this year. And I, it's it's wild to see him putting this together. Age 32, he's got the opt-out after this season and um, just just a, a truly tremendous performance from a guy who falls into that tier. I remember us talking about this a couple of years ago where, you know, decently pricey signing and he working together with the Cubs seems to have next leveled. Uh, and that was something we hadn't really seen. We'd seen the Cubs kind of getting the guys that were, um, you know, not big name guys and kind of reworking them into serviceable guys, but not so much those mid-tier higher priced starting pitcher types and then working them into something really good. And now we've seen that, you know, with uh, Stroman and and Drew Smiley too. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not sure how much I'd say like the Cubs have really gotten him to another level as much as he's just kind of on cruise control with his best self. Sir, I said, (laughs) I said he and the Cubs 
Don't want any. Don't want any uh, user feedback on that one. <laughs> he is a notoriously hard worker. Yes, yeah, yes. and I mean, I think last year some of his struggles were they were trying to get him to use his four seam more, and at a certain point they realized this just isn't going to work uh, how we had hoped, and and he kind of went back to what he knows with the east west usage of his pitches, and he's. I mean, he's so locked in. I, I'd call him. I, I mean, I, I think we have uh, an all 30 coming out about the team MVP, Patrick. I'm not sure uh, who you put down, but I think I'd lean Stroman uh, off the top of my head. Uh, you know, that's he's he's been there uh, pretty much all season long outside of that one disaster start. I still think the Monday start against Tampa Bay was a huge one for the team to just kind of get back and like, you know, keep them from really extending that losing streak and just completely falling out of this and you know if they had any hope they needed to get on this little mini stretch that they're on of of solid play uh especially with the offense still looking to fully break out uh you need guys like Stroman leading the way I I just don't see how you can look at this season so far and and say like oh they'd be fine with the you know a replacement level player at, at Stroman's spot like he's he's just completely stepped up this year and and helped keep them semi-relevant as much as they've, they've tried to fall out of things. Yeah, I, mean, I asked David Ross this before Sunday's games of, like, why has Strowman succeeded to this degree? Because you're right, Brett. Like, you never know what you're going to get when you sign a free agent. And, you know, we just saw you Darvish the night before who uh, pitched really well in Chicago but had a very long and rough uh, adjustment period. Uh, we saw what happened with Jamison Tyon the night before, finally getting his first win uh, as a Cub two months into a $68 million contract. And you have someone like Drew Smiley who signed, what, like three separate deals with the Cubs. And I think it's not as much like, uh, you know, X's and O's coaching with Strom, but I do think they've, you know, created an environment and, you know, give him space to just kind of do his own thing and, you know, express his uh personality on the mound and you know he feels really comfortable here and, and Ross even said like I think Strowman's to be honest has outperformed what they thought they were going to get and I think it's pretty clear at this point now it's not really as long as Strowman stays healthy it's not really what he does between now and the trade island it's what kind of the rest of the team does and how the front office thinks uh leading up to the trade deadline all right, let me run with that then and talk about Tyone because, like you said, um, uh, that is similar tier in terms of what you are trying to get out of a starting pitcher free agent signing, which is um, some floor and then, you know, a hope that maybe you get a little more. And obviously, neither of those have been the case uh, with Jameson yet. But um, I think some of that we've talked about was not some of the the extent of his terrible results particularly earlier in the year were not necessarily reflective of what he was doing uh because sometimes just in a smaller sample you're going to have that stuff and and then as we discussed he had a lot more trouble uh locating particularly and i believe i saw this in in your piece mooney uh recently about um it was more of a north south issue for him where it was a lot of belt high pitches um and his bread and butter has always been the four seamer up and the curveball down and, and changing that eye level. And I'm not saying it was 
a mistake at all by the Cubs to to introduce the sweeper, and that was a pitch that he had been looking to add to add a little bit more of that lateral movement. But the point that Tommy Hadovy made was you're not going to have as much success with those other pitches if your sort of baseline set is not working the way it should be. And I think we saw more of that in this outing, um, a little more locating up with uh, the fastball. I, I felt like that was spotting better. And, you know, you hope that as, as he gets a, a better feel for his pitches, but also the Cubs a feel for like, okay, this is where he is now in his career and with his pitch mix and where to sort of how to best work. Maybe things stabilize from here a bit. Yeah, I think that was, you know, it just started to get a little cutter happy and and there were certain pitches that I think he felt he trusted more than uh, maybe his catchers did, but just because they hadn't seen him really lock those pitches in primarily that four seam. I think it's one of those pitches for him where it may not look like it's locked in, uh, but for him, he knows can, I just need can to I keep ask throwing you? it. Yeah. yeah, can I ask you some guys something about that? Because I'm glad you mentioned that. I keep forgetting to bring this up, but I remember it was this was maybe two weeks ago, and again, I think it was Tommy Hadovy was talking about that point that you're making, Sahadev. Although he framed it in a, a slightly different way, he was talking about how sometimes catchers mid-game because the Cubs have you know two catchers and Jan Gomes and Tucker Barnhart who are very intensely. Um, keyed in with the pitcher and the batters and then trying to make in-game adjustments based on what they're seeing and feeling. And it was almost a a description of how that can work against you because the catchers might be right in what they're seeing uh, in terms, okay, you know, the batters are sort of doing this, pitchers doing this, maybe we need to shift a little bit. And so not sticking with the game plan, which I don't mean as a criticism because part of the value these guys provide is adjusting on the fly. But in this particular case, adjusting on the fly in game may have actually been not uh, servicing Tyone best in that game and in, you know, the games that followed. Yeah. I think, I think this is where really getting to know your pitcher is a big part of this. So this is part of the learning process, right? This isn't uh, Jan Gomes or Tucker Barnhart uh, doing their job poorly as much as it's part of the learning process, right? This, this could have, this could have gone in a way where uh, it was just one blow up outing or something like that, but it it, it kind of culminated into this, right? Where where Jameson kind of had to, and I and I think part of it is Jameson couldn't shake off four times in a row to force him to get to the four seam because of the pitch clock, right? So it's a combo of like we're not familiar, we're not super familiar with each other, and Jameson's like, no, trust me, I know my four seam is gonna work. I know it's looked like crap. Like it's not like Jameson's like that, those are great pitches. He's saying like I know it looks like crap, but I'm gonna lock it in. Give me like four or five more. I'm gonna lock this pitch in, and it'll be what leads us to success. It, but Jan Gomes also knows, like, hey, your cutter looks pretty good. I don't know. I think we can get these guys with it. And, you know, it's just a it's it's a learning process and a getting comfortable with the guys process. It's why Jan Gomes always talks about it, why he spends so much time with his pitchers. It, it it takes a long time to get right and to really know your pitcher. Sometimes that you don't see it in the results as far as these bad moments where, like, it doesn't always play out like this. But I think that was part of it. It's not all of it, but that was part of what was going on. With Tyon, you know, you'd like to think that this is him kind of turning the corner. I thought I saw flashes in that red start. uh, And then, 
obviously this last one was his best in a Cubs uniform. I think it it's all the more important with Justin Steele out. Uh, you you really want to see Ty unlocked in. Uh, we talked about it on Thursday, but this this isn't a you know five and five road trip. It, you can't have that, right? Uh, they we 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 need to start seeing some progress to get some buy-in to say like I believe in this team or I think they can make a run. I think they can do something. Uh, I think Tyon has to be a big part of that. And as as uh, consistent and impressive as Stroman has been, I think Tyon has that ability to be a really consistent force. And that's all you need. Just someone, especially. I mean, you, you want more offense. You, you they, they need more consistent offense, but they just need the pitching. I mean, this team was always built around pitching and defense coming into the season. So to have someone with an eight ERA as a big part of your rotation, that's that's gonna that's going to set things back as far as what you plan for. I mean, let's just rewind the last week. You have Stroman's amazing start on Memorial Day. Kyle Hendricks shuts down uh, the best team in baseball for five innings. Justin Steele leaves a start early uh, that Wednesday. You get the, oh, good news on Justin Steele. You know, you know, the kind of like, part of every sort of like injury update here. And I think it's not just the Cubs, but Hey, this is probably a best case scenario. Tyone uh, looks really good in San Diego, the guy they wanted. And then, you know, the the next day you have Steele going on the injured list. So on the one hand, like this is the way the season goes. Like it's never going to be like exactly how you planned it to be and full strength, but you can at least see, if Tyone's back and Stroman's pitching like an ace and Kyle Hendricks is, you know, roughly his professor self, like can the Cubs basically pick up a game a week between here and mid July? And that sounds at least more reasonable uh, when you have some of these rotation pieces lined up the way you want, that would get them to just pass the all-star break, basically, at 500, if you can avoid a really long losing streak, if you can win more of those coin flip games and just kind of keep playing, like when you put it that way, it doesn't sound as ridiculous, but we've also seen more than a third of the season here and we haven't yet seen any sort of like really lift off from this group. And not to play the part of Downer about the last week where... You know, we've seen the Cubs win four of six, I believe. And, you know, three of those wins were one run wins. And you could regard that in any number of ways that, like, oh, hey, finally, the, David Ross is figuring out more of a circle of trust in the bullpen. Or, oh, it's these, you know, starting pitching performances. They're finally getting stabilized in that, Justin Steele notwithstanding. Uh, offense is finding a way, whatever language you want to use. But the reality is more like, well, sometimes you're going to win those coin flip games. It, that's why we call them coin flip games. And um, it doesn't necessarily indicate that things are brighter or sunnier on the on the way ahead. And I think that, too, is something that we always have to keep in mind over the course of uh, a week's worth of games. Um, you've got to have more of a mindset when you step back, like the morning after, like what like Mooney's describing where it's, you know, maybe make up a game a week 
uh, over the course or, or, you know, roughly some weeks it'll be two, some weeks it'll be none, but that's kind of the, what the progress needs to be over this next month for the Cubs. Um, so I wanted to comment on the roster move the Cubs made this weekend, which was with Justin Steele hitting the IL, the Cubs did not bring up another pitcher uh, in part because they already know that Hayden Wisniewski is going to take Steele's next start and he's already on the roster, but they could have bolstered the bullpen further if they wanted to find a way to do that. But instead they bring up another bat and it's Miguel Amaya. And I found that interesting in a number of ways, not the least of which was perhaps an acknowledgement that he's obviously extremely capable as a catcher at this point. Now he would need to learn the staff and sort of get to, to know them at that same intimate level. Like we were talking about, you know, only moments ago, but that the bat, you know, this is a guy who he went down to triple a after that first call up, which by the way, he was making fantastic contact and having great at bats that first time up, he goes to triple a for the first time in his career and he just obliterates the ball. You know, he, he barely played the last few years um, due to injury in the pandemic, but he's 24. And if the bat is in a place where it can contribute, you know, you're already thinking about him as your one a or one B catcher next year. You know what? You, you just can't screw around, get the guy up and use that bat. And so I really appreciated when there was an opportunity to just like, Oh, we can have an extra bat right now. Okay. Let's make it him. I, I liked that a lot. And he rewarded that, of course, with a huge game yesterday. Uh, about a month ago, I, I had a conversation with someone in the front office about what's what's the biggest concern. Like, what do you think is the biggest concern? We were kind of debating bullpen versus offense. Uh, this person was firmly on offense. He, he believed that they'd be able to figure out the bullpen, even if it wasn't the current group that they had at that time. They be- He believed that they'd be able to figure out something that was more workable than what they had. Uh, the offense was actually playing okay at this point in time when we had this conversation, and I was feeling good about the offense. I think he's. I, I think he's right. I think this this uh, this offense has some major concerns and some major inconsistencies. And Saturday's game was a big like eye opener for me for, in multiple ways. Uh, Context I, for I, folks. Sorry, context yeah, Saturday's, is that Saturday's was the game against you, Darvish. The lineup is loaded up with uh, what lefty bats the Cubs have available, um, right. and it went quite poorly. Uh, there were a couple of things that stood out in that game. One is not to do with the the offense, but Jeremiah Estrada. Look, I, I think I touched on this Thursday, but I don't. I don't think you can keep him up right now unless he figures something out. That was. I was watching that and I was just like taken aback, just watching it, not in the press box, but on TV and just kind of hanging. I was uh, like hanging out with some friends and I I was taken aback at what was happening the way he just I don't know how many it was in a row, but I was like, that was another fastball. Has he thrown a slider? He hasn't thrown a slider. What is happening right now? I like I was it was a little jarring. The other thing threw, is, listen, so, so. It, he threw what, two yeah. sliders, by the way. Out of his 25 pitches, yeah. he threw two sliders. Jack. One of them was the one Tatis <laughs> parked in center field. Yeah. Uh, and the, the other is, like, Edwin Rios really looked uncomfortable at the plate. This isn't me, like, tearing apart Edwin Rios. I think this is – it's really difficult to come in and try and, like, force your way. It's, it's similar to Master Boney, right? These guys are fighting 
for playing time and they're trying they're pressing you can almost see it they're trying to make something happen with every at bat it's a really tough situation for them to be in listen I understand other players thrive in those situations uh I think sometimes bad moments can mount I think that's kind of happened with with Mastroboni I think with Rios he's just not getting enough playing time Ross touched on this like a week or two ago, basically, like, I need to give him more playing time. You know, that's on me. But it's also, it's hard to just, like, these guys have to grab those moments, right? It's like, how do you balance this? You want to give him more of a rhythm in the lineup, but also he's not, you know, he's not delivering. So how do I put him back in the lineup? Uh, that's all to say, like, the Maya call-up, I think, is is it really interesting. And, Patrick, maybe you you have more context here, but... I think he with with Mervis kind of struggling, you don't have to you you have this like DH spot for him and you can, you know, kind of flip Mancini and and Mervis at first uh, on day like, you know, you can have Amaya in there more regularly and not always have to sit one of your catchers. Uh, I like this idea of him him being there regularly. I don't know how they're looking at it for sure. But I think it makes a lot of sense when your offense is struggling. And ultimately, I think he's important. I think the return of Cody Bellinger is, is really important when you talk about the lack of lefty bats and and just the future of that lack of lefty thump beyond this season. I, I said this a month ago, I think, too. But it has to be a consideration. How does Cody Bellinger fit into their future plans uh, that we can dig into down the road, uh, but but I think just we're kind of seeing how important Cody Bellinger is to this lineup, even if he's not fully locked in like he was like the last two ish weeks of before he went on the IL. Uh, it, it's just it, it change. I know Ross can look at it when he looks at his lineup. There's like this five six spot that that has a hole there, and I think it, when you bring Bellinger back, that really. It really makes things a lot easier for him to make out a lineup, especially when he's trying to get creative and, and do a little bit more against righties and, and put that lefty-heavy lineup. It, it becomes a completely different group with Bellinger in there. Yeah, and it sounds like Bellinger is not going to be activated during this West Coast trip. I think that's been part of the back and forth on this program. And, you know, it's like with all of their rehabbing players, like there are, you know, kind of – rest and recovery periods built in so you might have a day or two here where you kind of don't do anything and you know it's not clear if he's going to take a minor league rehab assignment uh or not i would bet money that he does i mean it's considering how long uh this has gone and i think there's you know some history here too of uh you know his time with the dodgers of not playing 100 percent and seeing how his offensive game just like fell off a cliff and what he does is based upon, you know, freaky amounts of explosiveness and athleticism. And I think you see it in center field too, just as there's this hole in the middle of the lineup and Mike Talkman's done a, a great job. I'm certainly not like picking on him, but just like what Bellinger does in center field is extremely hard to replicate. And that's why he's going to get paid huge money next winter. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Assuming he comes back moderately healthy and productive, and which I say not even, yeah, like I'm, I'm not yeah, even being a dick. I, I mean that as a as an extension of this conversation um, because precisely as you point out the last couple of years, he has struggled deeply and it, 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 this story of it has become, well, he just, he wasn't healthy. He was playing through some stuff that he never fully recovered from. And then he had some other stuff happen. And, um, you know, he was, you know, being a good soldier and going out and playing good defense in center field, even though his body was not allowing him to hit. And that's, fine that's the bet the cubs made when they signed him before the season and that i i don't think there's anyone who would argue with that being the story so long as he does come back and continues to produce and then you can be like yes okay he did this that that start to the season he had this year where he put together a month unlike anything he's had outside of his mvp year uh you could start to be like okay yeah that's that's really him um how that all plays in relation to the Cubs is a really interesting story because you have um, the the reality of the trade deadline and that if the Cubs do fall out of it, if he does come back healthy and shows that he is where he was to start the year, that's one of your better rental trade pieces that we've seen in recent years. I mean, that's an extremely valuable player. Um, and there's his free agency to consider. And I saw in your piece this morning, Patrick, uh, where you spoke with his agent, Scott Boris. And I think that the story that I was mentioning is the story they're going to, to sell teams. And they're going to point to Brandon Nimmo's deal and say, look, this is the market for one of the few guys who can play center field deep into his 30s and continue to be offensive, uh, offensively productive at the plate. But it just means there's so much riding on the rest of the year for him personally, for the Cubs, because as Sahadev rightly points out, I don't think the Cubs can be anywhere close to their best competitive selves if he's not there in center field almost every day. And uh, it just makes this absence um, all the more informative, but it also makes his return very delicate because you know, he's not, he shouldn't want to come back before he's completely ready. The Cubs shouldn't want him back before he's completely ready, although they may be a little more interested in it. Um, and the nature of his injury, this bone bruise in the knee, is not one where we have a perfect, you know, everyone knows, oh, it, it recovers like this, and you're back, and you can do this in three weeks, and you can do this in four weeks, and it's not like that. And so it, it has made for a very uh, challenging topic and one that could swing his and the Cubs season wildly over the next month plus. Yeah. Assuming that, uh, that it's soon after this road trip, right? That'll be about a full month that he's, he's missed. Right. Uh, I, I just think, you know, I, Talkman has been great. I think Talkman has been really, you know, done a lot of things well sound on defense not not like a glaring hole there I don't think he's as good as Bellinger but he's not he's not making these drastic mistakes that are that are making him stand out and he's and he's providing some batting average and, and a good plate approach with a, a couple walks too I just think lefty power completely changes uh 
a lineup and and it's something the Cubs are searching for since Rizzo left and Bellinger provides that I I don't know um I'm I'm still fascinated by the debate of what what it what how he fits long term if he fits long term especially with Pete Crow Armstrong like seemingly getting better and better every day in double a uh but I I think it's it's going to be a discussion that I like a debate in my head assuming he's not traded and it's just like something that the Cubs are like yeah he's gone and he's a different team next season I I just think it's something that has to be really contemplated strongly by Jed even if he is traded at the deadline I I just don't see how you can't contemplate that when you look at where this team is uh obviously we have what four more months four four more months of the season right yeah (laughs) yes I'm I'm losing track of time but uh I I think that's the Bellinger situation and then Mervis can he find some sort of rhythm at the plate can he find his confidence and get there because those that that like I know 2023 isn't done, but I just think so much of what happens this year uh, really has to set things up for the future as well, right? They can't ignore, like Mervis is supposed to be part of the future. Right now he looks a little overmatched in the big leagues. I don't think you can say that he's not a big league first baseman that can provide some impact. He just isn't there yet. So this is it's going to be an interesting balance how does ross develop this guy how does how do the cubs contemplate what they want to do with bellinger there's just the lefty aspect the lefty power aspect is just such a big part of creating a a, a deep lineup that can actually you know contend for championships uh and those two guys feel really critical in it uh this did not make my story but one of the last things scott boris told me was, oh, and he's a gold glove first baseman too. The Cubs haven't seen that yet. And I I think you're right, Todd. I have like, they have to be really open-minded about this. And obviously, like, Cody Bellinger, like any free agent, is almost certainly going to sign with a team that offers him the most money. Like, okay, we're all grown-ups here. We can understand that it's a business. But uh, how I began my conversation with Scott was kind of calling back something he had said years ago like in 2015 and this is a time when he was obviously sparring with the Ricketts family over their spending and there was Chris Bryant's uh, service time grievance situation Uh, but during that time Scott also made the point that you know a lot of his clients dramatically improved while they were Cubs employees and that clearly Chris Bryant was pretty close to a finished product, a, a top of the draft talent, but, you know, he crushed it in the minors, uh, minor league player of the year, major league rookie of the year, MVP. Um, that reflected very well on the Cubs. I mean, Jake Arrieta was a, you know, borderline triple a pitcher, major league pitcher when he got to the Cubs and, you know, blossomed into the Cy Young award winner. Even obviously things did not end well with Addison Russell and his off the field issues became, too much but from a purely baseball perspective before that off the field stuff happened like he got better and you know I asked Scott are the Cubs still that type of place and he gave a very kind of long detailed uh, answer but that's why I think the Bellinger kind of test case matters like can the Cubs like pick the right player put him in the right environment and you know, allow him to succeed. And I think the early returns were very 
encouraging. And I think that's why like, you know, Bellinger is going to be uh, interested to hear what the Cubs have to say. Like I do genuinely think he kind of likes being with the Cubs. I think, and this is just, I've not like flat out asked him this, but my observations are that I think he enjoys like not being the central focus the way he was at Dodger stadium, which is just what happens, you know, when you're like a homegrown guy who just bursts onto the scene. And so players like him are really hard to find. And that, you know, Tom Ricketts is not going to be the Steve Cohen swooping in to do that Brandon Nimmo deal or sign that off. But I don't know. You look at his age, you look at his defensive versatility and that left-handed power. Like, I don't know. The Cubs can't just be like, oh, Pete Coral Armstrong will be good and will take a couple of years to figure it out. And, you know, he might be an all-star in 2028. Like, they they can't afford to ignore uh, Bellinger. I think we'll have to stay engaged until – you know, through the trade trade deadline until he signs with another team, like they have to be involved in that. Yeah, at a minimum, no matter how much you love Pete Crow Armstrong, and I I happen to be a big believer in Pete Crow Armstrong, he can't be the reason that you wouldn't engage in a conversation to to explore the possibility. Um, n- not only because guys can move around the outfield, um, and then you can get significant impact elsewhere in the outfield too but you know this guy could play really good first base if it came to that and so you you at least like you guys have said you have to be open-minded about it i i would put myself in a extremely dubious camp that that's that it's going to wind up in a place that'll make sense for both sides um but i think if particularly if there's a trade i don't i just don't see it being a situation where he would you know be traded be decoupled from draft pick compensation hit the market after a good year and i i think that nimmo deal will be an issue in terms of where where the market where boris's expectations are for the market but i think it would be foolish to you know make any assumptions right now um in both directions and and that that starts with him getting back on the field starts with him showing that he is 100% and can play at the level that he showed earlier this year. And then the conversation becomes a lot more interesting uh, from here. And the Cubs play, hopefully, becomes a lot more interesting from here upon his return. Maybe after this West Coast swing, uh, uh, of which the Cubs now have one more game against the Padres, three against the Angels. Shohei Otani not pitching in that series uh, for the Angels, by the way. He was lined up to do so, and then they bumped him back by a day. So we'll we'll only get to see slash suffer the bat of Shohei Otani. And uh, then the Cubs wrap this swing with the Giants. And you, as we have said, six and four feels pretty necessary, which I know is, is almost a ridiculous thing to say, but that's just where the Cubs have uh, situated themselves. So we'll be back at you on Thursday. Uh, this is on to Waveland. It's Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahad of Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. We appreciate you listening as always, and I hope you have a swell week. Talk to you again soon.